0: Proverbs chapter 3, it is many of our habits to look at the Proverbs that coincides with the day of the month, and as a result of that, you read the book of Proverbs 12 times a year. The Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Word of God, and certainly you could say that the entire book is a book of wisdom, but in Proverbs, it just centers in... On what wisdom is and what wisdom's not, it compares wisdom to foolishness, and things of that nature. And so, we're using uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, as a diving board into this idea and topic today. And no, I'm not shooting at anybody. So, if you and I have had a run-in in the last week or month, I'm not shooting at you, and I don't even know that anybody would say, "Oh, yeah, that's me," t- other than my wife. Um, it's very important for you to know, especially if you're new to us, Brother Ben, by God's grace, will not use this as a whipping post. So if a situation lines up with a message, that's the Holy Spirit's doing. And so uh, it came to mind this week as I saw the Lord earlier, I came across this word, and I have certainly addressed it in different you know, messages as a, point, or maybe even referred to it, but I've never, to my knowledge, given an entire message to the word patience. Patience. Yes, this is very similar to worry, and I have certainly hit on that many, many times, but this is the fix to worry. You know, one of the fellows at college got on to us preacher boys, and he told us, he said, too many of you tell your people what you ought not do, but you don't tell them how to do what they ought to do. And I've tried to not be guilty of that, to not just tell you what you ought not to do, but to tell you how to keep from doing what you ought not to do and how to do what you ought to do. So today's message is simply on patience. And please hear me when I tell you, and Dawn, please don't say amen, but nobody in this building needs it more than this preacher. Nobody needs this study and this application of patience more than this pastor. Uh, I personally believe that it is a level of maturity when all of us can identify with Paul when he said, I am the chief of sinners. We all should feel that way. It's when you and I think, man, Lord, you're pretty, you know, it's good for you to have me on your team. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And so let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is two or three of the verses that got me through college. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thy own understanding. Something you'll hear quite often from this pulpit and this pastor. Sometimes you and I are the worst people to take advice from. And I mean towards yourself. If you and I are not careful, we give ourselves very poor advice. Why is that? Because we're not trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in our flesh. We're trusting in the world system. We're trusting in what, if you will, the enemy is telling us. So look at verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths you've heard this too if you want to make God laugh tell him your plans for the day and so we don't don't want to do that we want to have patience with what it is God is leading us to look at verse 7 be not wise in thine own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil father we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word in Jesus name amen you may be seated Sermon in a few sentences. Sermon in a few sentences. Normally I'll say sermon in a sentence, but this lasts for more than one or two sentences. And this is not from me. This is from another book. But it hits exactly what I want this message to accomplish. No one likes to be around impatient people. Amen? No one likes to be around impatient people. I never will forget the experience at a airline. I uh, was getting on a plane type thing. Had to go through what you have to go through. This was before the days of 9-11. So you still, though, had to go through a metal detector. And bless this guy's heart, he was about yay tall. And he was a big boy. And everybody in there was getting nervous because he was Furious because every time he walked through, beep, his eyes would get big. He'd go back through and they'd tell him a new clothing to take off. He had gotten down to the shirt that was keeping us from seeing everything and his pants. That was it. His shoes, his socks, his belt, everything else, his coat. Because he was going to a business trip. It's quite obvious. And by that fourth time, he is reaming out this poor lady that's trying to get him on his plane. And she says, Sir, I got no answers for you, basically, other than you can't get on that plane until we figure out what's going on. And apparently the belt was the last thing. And so once he got allowed, he starts getting dressed again. And he kept doing this. He's going this direction, and he's putting all this stuff on. He's shoving in. He'll he'll go... (gasps) he just keep looking like if there were no laws all you would be dead was the looks he was giving us and all of us are looking at each other like man I'm so glad he went through that metal detector (laughs) he was furious and he was being impatient I literally asked God help him not to have a heart attack because he was his, his face was red, and he was struggling. This is one of the reasons I didn't want him to have a heart attack. There wasn't anybody in that building that was going to give him CPR because <laughs> nobody wanted to be around him. No one wants to be around impatient people. Impatience overreacts in anger, foolish, regrettable ways. But the irony of anger toward a wrong is that it spawns new wrongs of its own. Anger almost never makes things better. In fact, it usually generates additional problems. It will trample on long term relationships while reacting to short term mishaps. I dare any couple in here, you've been married longer than a year, to go back a year and tell me of a big fight that you had and you tell me the reason. I've tried. I can't remember. I remember the fight. I remember the words. I don't remember the reason. It's because it is unreasonable for you and I to be impatient with these types of things. It is unreasonable. But patience stops problems in their tracks. There it is, folks. Patience stops problems in their tracks. More than biting your lip, more than clasping your hand over your mouth, patience takes a needed deep breath. It clears the air. It stops foolishness from whipping its scorpion-like tail all over the room. Any of you have a dad that the dad would get so furious and all of my kids have this dad that he's shooting at everything in the room? And one kid's in the corner just hoping, hoping that he doesn't get seen. And dad goes, you want some too? (laughs) "Oh, Oh, I don't want any... Whatever any is, you know. Whatever you're selling, Dad, I don't want it. Impatience sometimes whips like a scorpion tail all over the room. Patience is a choice to control your emotions rather than allowing your emotions to control you. And it shows discretion instead of returning evil for evil. It brings an internal calm to an external storm. Patience is where love meets wisdom. Patience is where love meets wisdom. Patience define. This is Bill Gothard's definition. I have a little sheet of about 48 character traits, and all of those character traits have really, really, really good definitions. This is Bill Gothard's definition for patience. Accepting a difficult situation from God without giving him a deadline to remove it. Accepting a difficult situation from God without giving him a deadline to remove it. Webster says the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. I'm reminded of the 20-year-old that came to his dad. And church, let me take this opportunity to give a rose to the living. Anytime I talk to people about how long I've been here, I always give you and God the credit because I know how difficult I can be. I know how green I was when I showed up here. I know how in much need of God's grace I still am. And it's so important for you and I to understand That with an unruffled temper to all of the issues in your life, you will give other people maybe an unrealistic idea of how patient you are. But we still must do it. And this 20-year-old went to his dad that had been fired by more than a few churches. And the church he was in now was very difficult. They were talking behind his back. They were complaining, criticizing the whole nine yards. And the 20-year-old come to his dad one day and said, Dad, you probably don't know this, but I just almost gave up on God, the church, and the word of God because I have seen, I know who you are, Dad, and I know how you treat us in this house, and I know how those churches have treated you. But, Dad, the reason I am a Christian is because I saw you endure And love when, as far as I'm concerned, no other human should have had to do that. We should never forget, church, that the most precious folks that we ever reach are going to be our own. If we win (laughs) the world and lose our family, what have we done? Billy Sunday was given the credit for winning a million people to Christ as an evangelist. But his children all went through various other issues because they did not have a dad at home. He sacrificed his family for the Great Commission. And I'm telling you, church, God doesn't ask preachers to do that. You and I can be everything we are supposed to be for God in his kingdom and still be who we should be to our children patience unruffled temper let's keep reading what Webster says endurance without murmuring or fretfulness patience may spring from constitutional fortitude from a kind of heroic pride or from Christian submission to the divine will ultimately church you're not fighting against yourself the world or the flesh You're fighting against the will of God. And when you and I quit listening to our flesh, to the world, and to the devil, we will have the ability to say, yes, Lord, whatever you're asking me to do. A calm temper, Webster says, which bears evils without murmuring or discontent. Number three, the act or quality of waiting long for justice or expected good without discontent. Church, 2024, we are seeing with our own eyes our justice system be made a mockery of. We have things that we know are not right, and yet they're getting away. And we have people that are being judged, if you will, and we know that... In our opinion, they've done right. What do we do? We trust. We trust. You're not going to find satisfaction in this world's justice system. You'll find satisfaction in God's justice system. And what I have found is when you and I ask God, expose them, he will. And he does. We're seeing it before our very eyes. People that have done unbelievable, unlawful things getting exposed. As the sunlight of God's omniscience, all-knowingness shines on their deeds. Number four. Uh, number four. Perseverance, constancy in labor or exertion. <laughs> Church, I'm not. There is no age situation in this. Every one of us need to do better in this area. You and I need to show patience with our employer by giving everything we have for them. And amens rang throughout the building. Because the world does not support that. America anymore does not support that. I'm telling you, we will be sought out. If we will work for our employer to make them as successful as they can be. But brother Ben, you don't know what my employer is doing. God does. God does and he's going to take care of all that. You do what you and I ought to do before God and God will take care of your situation. He's proven that. And he certainly says it in scripture. Number five, the, the quality of bearing offenses and injuries without anger or revenge. Six, sufferance, permission. Patience is a virtue that is often discussed in the Bible. It, in fact, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit, listed in Galatians 5 23. And that, I'm sorry, it's fruit of the Spirit. The Bible teaches that patience is an important aspect of our relationship with God. And our relationships with others, one of the most well-known verses about patience is found in James 1, 3 through 4, which says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, James says. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Church, God is preparing you right now for what's waiting on you in June, July, July. August 2025, whatever the case may be, the difficult situation that you may be going through now is preparation for what's waiting. And if you and I don't get the lessons that we need, we're not going to be prepared when that time comes. The Bible also teaches us to be patient in our interactions with others. In Colossians 3:12 through 13, we are encouraged to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility gentleness, and patience. When dealing with others, we are reminded to be patient with those who may be difficult or challenging to love. Church, I have seen person after person change once a church loves them into the family of God. They've changed. And they quit saying stuff like, well, that's just the way I am. Instead, they say, that's the way I used to be, but now... Because of God's grace and because of the love that this church has shown me, I do this or I do that. Ultimately, the Bible teaches us that patience is an important aspect of our spiritual growth and our relationship with others. By cultivating patience, we can become more like Christ and better reflect his love to the world around us. Church, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. The race that you I you and I are in for God is a marathon, not a race. One of the things that we're seeing as a result of a 26-year relationship between pastor and church is God is bringing maturity to this pastor, to this church, and that gives us opportunity with other folks. Church, I'm telling you right now, we've always got to be open and willing to change, but there is something magnificent about learning Lifelong lessons over a long life. And when you and I take these things in stride, God will bless us. Patience is an important virtue in our daily lives. And the Bible has many verses here. Romans 12, verse 12. Let's soak here. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. None of us can predict what's going to happen in a year, year and a half from now. But we all know it could be big. But watch this. No matter what it is, the commission is still upon this church. No matter what happens, no matter who becomes president, no matter what falls apart or what gets better, this church is to focus on the great commission. And we will do that as we have patience with the tribulation that is put upon us. We will do that as we believe that God can give us what we need to carry out the Great Commission, no matter what's going on around us. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. COVID was tough, church. And I realize we're almost two years removed. (laughs) For us in the rural areas, we're probably closer to, Three years and 12 or uh, nine months after COVID started. <laughs> but praise the Lord, we're in a rural area, and not me- there are some areas of our nation that are still trying to get themselves to have confidence to get out of it. That's on them, that's between them and God. but please hear me. When this preacher walked in this building during those Sundays, those six weeks, that was tough. And then the years after to see the crowd slowly come back. That was tough. It took patience. But watch this. I believe we've all learned the lessons that we need to learn. And now, folks, church, listen to me. The fields are white unto harvest. We need to absolutely take advantage of what God is doing for us Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. How many times have I said this? One of the most important things you can do is take off that hat, put it in hand, and accept whatever it is they're giving to you and receive it in humility. God will honor and bless you. That's patience. Y'all remember a fellow named uh, Aaron Maxwell, anybody? This is 100% positive. Aaron Maxwell had a tremendous meaning the church did a wanna program going. Steve Reed was a big part of that, Betsy Reed. and they were they were winning people. Well, one particular situation happened where they had to take a stand and they had to discipline a young man who had acted inappropriate at church. Well, church, one of the issues in our day is that our parents, are supporting the kid even when the kid needs to be corrected. Church, that's not good. It's not biblical, and it's not good for the kid. So when the kid got home and complained that he had been treated thus and so, you know what Dad did? Dad called Aaron and said, "Where are you at? I'm at church. Well, stay there. I'm coming to whoop you. Now he's never seen Aaron Aaron's about this wide. I, w- I wouldn't put money on anybody against Aaron. <laughs> Type thing. And Aaron said, I'll be waiting. (laughs) So the guy shows up. In between that phone call and when the guy shows up, the Holy Spirit had absolutely covered Aaron and said, don't you dare. Because church, we preachers, you need to know this. We got flesh too. And if you want to push our buttons, sometimes we're more than willing. And so Aaron looks at this guy and he starts talking. He says, sir, how can I help you? He said, what? How can I help you? Well, I want to know about what you did with my son. Well, let me explain to you what we did with your son. The scripture says a soft answer turneth away wrath. And God used that verse to disarm this fellow within moments. And at the end of it, they were praying together, laughing. It was all good. The church, it started with a patient humble pastor and in your situation when someone comes at you it's going to start with a patient humble christian and you can diffuse that situation be still verse psalm 37 7 through 9 says be still before the lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the one who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall cut off, but shall be cut off, for those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Church, I dare say every person under the sound of my voice, at some point in time today, you're gonna take this device and you're gonna. Plug it in. If you and I don't plug in to God on a daily basis, we're not going to have the patience that we need. But if you'll plug into God, and sometimes it's just sitting there, be still and know that I am God. I've shared this, I think it was this morning. Henry Blackaby, who passed away three weeks ago, became famous with saying, don't just do something. Stand there. Be still and know that I am God. See, that goes against what we have always heard in our lives, right? Don't just stand there. Do something. And, and a lot of preachers have said that to their churches. Don't just stand there. Do something. Go out and win somebody. Go out and, you know, fill in the blanket. And amen to all that. But watch this. You need to make sure it's orchestrated by the Lord. You need to make sure that you're not doing this in your own flesh just to notch your belt and the such. And so when you and I take the biblical aspect and we just get still, Lord, what would you have me do? A lot more effective stuff happens. God starts to move in our lives as only he can do. Now, please hear me. If you're at work tomorrow and things are just blowing up, don't just stand there, do something. (laughs) Get a broom, get a, you know, Help. But in the spiritual world, sometimes this works against us. Don't just do something. So I shared this with First Service. If you know who this church is, I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just telling you I would never put this sign up on. If we have a a sign out here someday that you can manipulate that stuff, it said, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Bad. (laughs) Bad. Don't look busy. Be still and know what it is God wants you to do and then absolutely get after it. All right. So what are the lessons? Well, hang on. I got a little bit more here. Plenty of time, too. You guys are listening really fast this morning. So two years ago, I shared a message on emotional intelligence. And I'm going to lift just a few things from that series to support what we're talking about here. Revisiting some points from emotional intelligence from two years ago. Therefore, emotional intelligence is the maturation process of being able to control one's emotions to not negatively affect others, but also not undervalue anyone either. That's, that's a good definition of patience. Intelligent emotion is the controlling of oneself to the benefit of others and the situation. So what are the results of emotional unintelligence? Guys, for me, I desperately needed 20 years ago someone to tell me these things because these are the lessons that I learned out of being impatient. These are the results of emotional unintelligence. Number one, uncontrolled anger, blackout rage. I gave them a piece of my mind. Church, I love that saying that says you might not think twice about that. You might not be able to afford it, given a piece of your mind. And, And if... You'll laugh later today when you really connect with that. Because the reality is is that there's very few of us that can afford to give up any intelligence. Number two, uncontrolled response. Saying things you've always wanted to say. Not thinking, just spewing. Selfish, self-serving words. Words only meant to hurt. Please, don't do that. That's emotional unintelligence. Number three. Harder work environment. And this all builds on each other, okay? After you have uncontrolled anger, you have uncontrolled response, you're going to have a harder work environment, a harder home life. If you think you have a hard time forgiving, imagine what someone who does not have the Holy Spirit inside of them struggles with. Church, you reap what you sow. Escalation is inevitable. Oh, yeah? Mm, Here we go. Number four, inefficiency. Nothing or very little gets done when everyone is upset. The issues and your upsetness and vengeance become the product. Number five, earned reputation. You are who they say you are if that's all they see. Number six, strained relationships. Proverbs 18, 9, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You ever tried to get back A relationship that you destroy by your own hands? It's difficult. It can be done, but it's difficult. Number seven, avoidance that leads to loneliness. The end result of selfishness and self-protection, always having to be right, impatient, is loneliness. I'm not saying everyone that is lonely, it's because they have mistreated others. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you mistreat others, Loneliness will be one of your crosses to bear. So how do, you, how do we attain emotional intelligence? Well, church, here's the process. Emotional intelligence comes from three determinations. Determination number one. Outcome is worth the input. I want you to say that with me. Outcome is worth the input. We're almost there. You ready? Outcome is worth the input. People... Are the product. When we get to heaven. God's not going to say. Okay I want to know. Just out of everybody that's up here in heaven. How much property did you guys have? Nope. Not a question about that. He knows. What was the value of your houses? Give a rip. He doesn't care. You know what he is going to say? Ben Kingston you here? You ought to be. You got saved when you was five. And just go right down the list. People are the product. This church is not trying to produce buildings. We're not trying to acquire land just for the sake of acquiring land. We're not trying to build a nest egg so we can show God we saved so much, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. We're trying to reach people for the gospel of Christ. People are the product. So watch this. The outcome is worth the input. All of the aggravation that church camp takes, it's worth it. All of the aggravation that Awana takes, it's worth it. All of the aggravation of CR, it's worth it. All the aggravation of Sunday school, it's worth it because people are the product. Number two, expect difficulty. The three enemies that we have are flesh, the devil, and the world are not doing their job if you and I don't have difficulty in our daily tasks. We are revealing our immaturity and emotional unintelligence if we are not prepared for the difficulties that come on a daily basis. It's just going to happen. You and I are going to struggle today and tomorrow to do what God wants us to do because that's our lot in life right now. You're going to get to a time and place that you don't have those struggles. That's called heaven. But right here, right now, you're going to struggle. So how do you have patience? Meet difficulty with determination. Meet difficulty with determination. You know, we always say, how are you doing? Fine. You know what we probably ought to say according to Scripture? How are you doing? Terrible. Great. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're struggling in this world. We're struggling. Y'all heard what FINE stands for? Frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. CR starts at 6.30. Six o'clock on Tuesdays. For struggles, hurts, habits, hang-ups. Church, I'm telling you, you and I have got to face these things with patience. So we're closing here lessons about patience. What stresses me that was well in my hand to prevent. This is a lesson I've learned. patience many times what stresses me was absolutely within my hand to avoid but because of a lack of preparation it whether it's a tool that I can't find because I didn't put it where it's supposed to go yeah or a piece of equipment that is in ill repair because I did not maintain it why am I being impatient with that you just got what you're asking for I told my oldest son, Benjamin, that when he gets all settled into his outbuilding someday and he gets all of his tools, I want him to let me know because I'm going to come to that place. I'm going to open his tools and just do this. Yeah, yeah. I got that from Brad. Brad said that when his kids get their cars he's going to get donuts and chocolate milk and go to the back seat and just smear that donut into the seat and pour the chocolate milk because that's what they did to his car. <laughs> We're kidding. That would not be showing patience, okay? It's just a little fantasical dream, you know. But and I, you're laughing because you know the pain. <laughs> the struggle's real. And so it's so important for us to realize that most of our struggle comes from right here. That's why we try to preach here, stay in your own yard. (laughs) Stay in your own yard and and clean up and work here. They got plenty to to mess with over there. You don't need to go telling them, hey, 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 stay right here. Work through that impatience. Lesson number two, like so many other maturity traits, patience is certainly a choice, but also a learned discipline that comes as a result of study and application. You can learn how to be patient by studying the Word of God. You can learn how to be patient by watching other people. Let me make sure I'm where I need to be here. Patience is gifted by the source of all character traits. That's God. If you have a problem loving someone or being patient with them, you have a source problem, not a people problem. That was a quote two weeks ago from the pastor in Branson. People are the product. Patience produces better product. How about number five? Patience can be examined and then imitated. Joanne, I don't know if your ears were burning earlier this morning, but it was a good burn because I was bragging on you. And I'm going to give a rose to the living. I've done this through the years. Dawn and I have seen one of the most beautiful and amazing example of patience in Joanne. Because we would bring our three children to her and drop them off and go check into ER or something. You know, because we were just exhausted. We were done. We had reached the limit of our affectional parental love and all that and we would come back fully expecting to see Joanne's hair looking like ours and see her frustrated because we gave them her our frustrations but you know what Joanne did when our kids showed up and this is true for the hookses and this is true for the grodies she quit everything she was doing and she just did what those kids wanted to do that's mind blowing If they wanted to sit down in the living room and play with Tinker Toys or whatever they had there, she did that. She got on the ground and played with them. If they got hungry, every 15 minutes, she fed them. She fed them. They'd come to our house and puke. Yeah, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But do you follow what I'm saying? She did whatever those kids wanted to do. I'm hoping and praying that Dawn and I can reach that level of patience. Church, it's not easy, but it is doable. When new people come into this church, we as the older folks, we as quote-unquote mature Christians, we've got to love them. We've got to be patient with them. We've got to show them the way. Church, I'm telling you that one of the best things you can get okay with doing is repeating yourself to the new people. Oh, do you want to know what our ministries do with this? Let me tell you. You may have said the same thing last week. Praise God you're getting the opportunity to say it again. Patience. And so it's so important for you to find those people that are exhibiting it and absolutely imitate them. If it doesn't affect eternity, let it go. Jerry Jolly saddled me with this truth. He was aggravated very honestly that I was considering being your pastor. He told me before I left here the first time to go be his youth pastor. He said, Ben, I'm I'm done training pastors. I need somebody to come here for 10 years plus plus." And just be my youth director. Are you willing to do that? I said, per the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Brother Jolly, and I'm so glad I said that. Yes. Two years later, I'm telling him that you guys are calling me to be your pastor, and then I'm going to go. He looks at me frustrated and said, do you want a pastor, Ben? And I said, that church, Brother Jerry. I don't want to pastor any other church. I want to pastor that church per the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then I said, can you give me some wisdom? And he just switched gears. Then, if it doesn't affect eternity, let it go. I said, Brother Jerry, that sounds good, but how do you put that into practice? <laughs> if it doesn't affect eternity, let it go. So when when something happens and you wish it would have gone this way, but it doesn't affect eternity, follow God. This is a pastor who had built two buildings in the process of about five to ten years. And there was all sorts of stuff that didn't go the way he wanted it to go. If it doesn't affect eternity, let it go. But that goes for all of us, not just the pastor. If it doesn't affect eternity, let it go. You see, patience is involved in that. Okay, Lord, you're doing something here I don't see, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you because I know you are all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present. Can I tell you, church, that if we will get in the habit of going over that every day, You and I will become more patient. He is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. That's going to cause you and I to be patient with what he's doing with things that we don't understand. Musicians, will you come? Let's all stand. I'll try to tell the abbreviated story. My dad was dying in the hospital for four months. My mom was there by his side every day. I asked her, what could I do for her? She said, is there any way you could come and just spell me for a night? I said, absolutely. So I went there and I spent a night with dad in the hospital. He had a, uh, a trachea situation, so he, he couldn't talk unless you covered that with a button, they called it. And so the only way you could get your attention is to tap the bed. And so, you know, he, he understood. I was trying to sleep, but I understood that he would be tapping that bed when he needed me to to assist with something. If he tapped that bed once, he tapped it about 25 times through that night. On about the 15th time, he tapped the bed, I got up, I got the button, I put it in, he said, see what mom has to go through. I said, you ornery little thing. (laughs) I love that. See what mom has to go through. She, for four months, guys, She stood by his bed morning, noon, and night. Patience. You know why she did that? Because she loved him with everything she had. Church, you and I will get through this life if we love Jesus with everything we have. And he'll teach us to be patient. And he'll teach us to be who we ought to be so that we can do what he wants us to do. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, come. We'll send you with someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel. Maybe you want to, well, I, I don't know. What is it? Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to join the church? Do you need to do business with God? Are, are you impatient? Do you need to seek his face? Whatever the case may be, this is an old fashioned altar. Will you come? Let's sing.